Welcome to the Move Forward Podcast with Dr. Kim Moss. We are here to move you forward in the call of God for your life, your career, and your ministry through prophetic insight, practical teaching, and powerful conversations with influential leaders. Never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Move Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kim Moss. We are talking about turning our crisis into crowns in these last few podcast episodes. If you miss the last two, go back and listen to them. You're going to be blessed. We're going to continue today, and I hope that you're doing well. I hope you're beginning to see signs of life again. I know there are still concerns, and of course, there are still things that we're going to walk through. But listen, God is preparing us I know everywhere you turn around, you're being prepared, you're being trained and equipped. The things that you are hearing, the Holy Spirit is bringing to you so that you will be ready to handle everything that you might face in this new era. What's more, we're going to do it all together. We're going to get through this because God is still on the throne. So listen, I want to tell you as we're moving through this message regarding David as he faced the biggest crisis of his life at Ziklag. 12 days, remember, 12 days before he received a great turnaround and the prophetic promise. I have a little booklet on this, and you can find this uh, in a message in a little booklet on Amazon, and it's called Facing Ziklag, Turning Crisis into Crowns. It also comes with a, uh, you can get the little companion journal, because for some of us, as we work through our own crises, whether it's the COVID-19 or some other kind of crisis in our lives, and there are many kinds of crises that we face, isn't that true? Because it's part of the human experience. But some of us um, need to read and then to write down what we're feeling and what we're responding to and what God is saying, and um, and it helps to journal a little bit. So if that helps you, I just wanted to point you to that resource. But today we're going to move. We're going to move forward, and we're going to go forward with this message. And uh, I want to go back and read First Samuel thirty verses one through six. Now, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day. The Amalekites had made a raid against Negeb and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire, and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire, and their wives and sons and daughters had been taken captive. Then David... And the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives had also been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed. Let's stop there. David was greatly distressed. Now, we learn several things from this situation at Ziklag. And I want to let you know that, see, whenever you are looking at scripture, whenever you are finding out what God really is saying to us in our time, we have to think about what was said to to their audience at their time uh, as this book was being written. As we know, the book, this book, 1 Samuel, was written by Samuel the prophet. 
that he was being led by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that that men wrote the Bible as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So who really wrote this book? The Holy Spirit. And so there is revelation in every story, in every parable, in every historic fact, in all the things that are written in there. There's many kinds of literature that make up the Bible. Where we are right now in 1 Samuel, this is called historical narrative. It's narrative because Samuel is recounting the story of what happened to David, and the Holy Spirit is carrying him along, which means that the Holy Spirit is highlighting what needs to be said. That means that everything that is said, every word, has something to tell us about what is going on in the story. It has meaning, has revelation. Why revelation? Because, see, revelation actually is something hidden, understanding, wisdom, knowledge that was hidden, but that God is revealing. And so that's revelation. And so we're looking for what the Bible is actually saying to us, not just in the plain words on the page, but what is the Holy Spirit conveying to us? How do we interpret and understand what he is saying? And so there are many parts of the story that we need to look at as we read through. If we read too fast and we just think it's a nice story, then we haven't really understood all that God is saying. Isn't that right? And so I want to start with the fact that it says, Now when David and his mighty men came to Ziklag on the third day, the timing of a story is always very important. It was the third day. The third day was the timing of the circumstances. And so what is the third day? All throughout scripture, we will see many times when it says the third day. Three for the Hebrews was a special number, was a perfect time. It was a time of fulfillment. So on the third day, this was the timing. Well, what, what's happening on this third day? What has happened? What went before? It's always important to know your context. Well, see, on the third day, as David and his men were returning to their camp, Ziklag was their home camp. It was where they had set up camp and where their wives and their daughters were. It was their home. They were coming home. And on the third day, they were still bearing the stress of the last situation they'd been through. What was the last situation they'd been through? They'd been through a political situation. They'd been through a near miss with the Philistines. See, David and his men, I told you in the first episode that David and his men during this time, they were on the run from Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. David was the anointed king. God said he had already taken and torn the kingdom from Saul. Saul was not having any of that. And the people had already fallen in love with David. And they were, they were singing this song saying that, that Saul had, had killed his thousands, but David had killed his ten thousands. So see, already the leadership was already beginning to shift. And Saul didn't like that. Saul rejected that. And Saul, Saul turned on David, even though David had done nothing at all wrong. And David found himself fleeing his homeland living in caves and living in the wilderness, living in an encampment at Ziklag. 
during the time when he was exiled from his homeland and fleeing from Saul, he was still doing the work of the Lord and he was gaining experience as a king. He had gathered an army of mighty men. Actually, they had gathered to him, all the men who were disgruntled, had gathered to him and he had created out of them a group, a band of mighty men, and they were going and doing exploits and fighting the, the, the enemies of Israel. Well, they had made friends in some sort of way with the Philistines and, uh, and the Philistines were going to go out actually and they were going to come against the Israelites. And so David and his mighty men had gone to join them because they had something else in mind. They were still loyal to their country. They were still loyal to God's people. They were still doing the work of the Lord. So they were faking it here. And when they went, they were suspected by the enemy forces. And it had become a very tense political political situation that they were in. And finally, they were released. They weren't allowed to go to war with them, and they were released to go back home. And so they were walking on foot, and they'd been walking for three days. And do you know what that means? They had journeyed 75 miles on foot to get home. Their supplies were low, their feet hurt, their hearts were in need of a place to rest. They needed a time of letdown and recovery, a time of saying, that was close, a time when they rekindled their their, uh, family time and they rekindled their relationships with their family and their loved ones, and they were in community together where they could really rest and they could regroup and they could recover. Listen, David and his men, they were not just looking forward to being home. They needed a time to rest. They needed a reset. Sound familiar? They were coming home at a time when they were vulnerable, weary, and in need of recovery. So the timing emphasizes the magnitude of the devastating effects of what they found when they came home. I know that in this pandemic, some of us have felt this very same way. Some of us were already tired. We were already exhausted. We were already in need of our supplies being renewed Our personal supplies, our financial supplies, our energy reserves had been already depleted. And we were looking forward to a new year and a new decade and something brand new. We were hoping to put some new dream in place. And then we were hit with this. For some of us, we've had time at home to reflect on what's going on in our lives, reflect on where we find ourselves, reflect on what our body needs. But for some, like I have, I have a good friend named Digna. I have another good friend named Amanda. And these two of my friends, they find themselves in a moment when they were already tired. They were already working so very hard. They were looking for a time of renewal in this new year. And instead, the pandemic hit. And what happened during that time? Well, their organizations started to lose money, the places of business that they worked for. There were layoffs, and that was grievous enough. And though they were fortunate enough to keep their own jobs, now they are working double and triple duty to make up for those who have Uh, no longer their jobs in place in that place. They're working 
14 and 16 hour days from home, but they have more work on their plate than they ever had before. And so they're not getting to rest and they're not getting to recover. So this pandemic has hit them hard and, and they're already, they were already in a place where they needed rest and they needed recovery. And wouldn't it have been nice if they would have the time to rekindle relationships in their families? The timing of a ziklag will often emphasize the magnitude of the devastating effects of when the enemy brings something like this to bear. So what else do we learn from this, from this passage? Well, it was the Amalekites. It was the Amalekites who had raided the Negev and raided also Ziklag. Who were the Amalekites? <laughs> well, they were Israel's enemies. And they were retaliating for all of David's successful raids against Israel's enemies. Who they were. You see, the interesting thing is when you look back in Scripture and you look back in the history, you find that Saul had had a chance to destroy the Amalekites at one time, and he actually had been told that he must do that, but he didn't. And now David was reaping the results of someone else's disobedience, someone else's sin, someone else's mistake. And it was a very personal loss for David. David and his men came home to burn down homes. No provision was available. Everything was gone. Their children and their spouses taken by foreigners who hated them. Since there were no bodies, they were not killed. They were not slammed. They had been spared. And what were they spared for? Something far worse. For slavery, for sexual and physical abuse by the enemy. David's own wives were taken. Listen, being the anointed one, being the leader, being the king, does not make you exempt from tragedy. And it was more than the mighty men could bear. David himself found himself alone. And it was 12 days before David would be crowned king. None of them understood this. They couldn't see that coming. If they had known, it might have changed everything. But see, sometimes we go through a crisis. We go through a tragedy. We go through a troubled time, not knowing what's just around the corner, not knowing that there might be a breakthrough just around the corner. And how does this translate to us? Well, We're supposed to understand from this that no one is exempt from a zigleg. No one. We're all part of the human experience. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening. No one is exempt from a zigleg. If you're human and you're alive and you're breathing, We all go through crisis. We have those times. What else does this mean? It means that ziklags are an attempt of the enemy to attack us, to break us down, to cause us to turn back, to go home, to give up, to lay down, 
to become depressed and afraid and intimidated so that we don't move forward and we don't fulfill the thing for which we were created to do. It also means that this can be the result of someone else's disobedience and bad choices. Haven't we all been there? Isn't that the worst? But it happens. That's also part of the human experience, isn't it? Listen, and we can't get hung up on that. We can't get hung up on the injustice of that, though it is definitely an injustice. We can't get up on, we can't get hung up on who's to blame. If we start playing the blame game, we get stuck there. And we are never excused from our personal responsibility in responding to crisis. See, I can't get hung up on the injustice or who's to blame so that it excuses my personal responsibility to continue to move forward and to respond in a right and righteous way. I can't control someone else, but I am responsible and in control of my own response to every situation and person. And in that way, I get to keep my dignity and honor before God. The other thing we learn is that a zigzag, a crisis, a troubled time, it always comes at a bad time. It always comes at a bad time. It never comes at a good time. Is there any? Is there ever a good time for a crisis? Is there? Is there ever a good time for a zigzag? Is there ever a good time for an unexpected low blow from the enemy? No, never. They always come at a bad time, and we usually don't see them coming. <laughs> even if you are wildly prophetic. Now, sometimes the prophets will see those things coming because God shares his secrets with the prophets. And he also says that if you believe the prophets, you will prosper. But that doesn't mean we see everything. And it doesn't mean that we're never caught off, off guard or we're not caught by surprise. All of us are even the most prophetic of us, because this is what it means to be human. It's part of the human experience. And this is most important. Ziklags are always designed by the enemy to dismantle our faith in God, to unravel our identity at a pivotal moment in our personal history, just before a breakthrough or a great reversal. We see it everywhere in scripture. Let me say that one more time, because I think it's so important for us to hear it. Ziklags, crises, they're always designed by the enemy to hit us at exactly the right time that is the worst time in order to dismantle our faith in God, to unravel our identity at a pivotal moment, especially just before a breakthrough or a great reversal. And so how will we handle that? We're going to see how those around David handled that next time when we talk about this. It's very important that we understand that the timing is always bad, that sometimes it's those other people's mistakes and, and other people's sin, and it's always those, and sometimes it is caused by those who do not like us or do not think about us or haven't considered how it might hurt us. 
that it often involves a very personal loss. And it doesn't matter if you're a leader because it doesn't make you exempt. You know, sometimes we look at other people. I can't tell you how many times I have been at a conference or I have been serving somewhere and I have people come up with after they've heard my personal testimony and they say, wow, I never guessed that that had gone on in your life because somehow they think that I've made it. Let me tell you, none of us make it. But if you seem successful, people automatically assume that you've never faced anything difficult in your life. And it's just not true. We all face difficult things. And I'm even thinking about right now our presidents and our prime ministers. I don't know where you're listening from today. Whatever nation you're listening from, there are leaders Some of them you don't like and you don't trust. Some of them you love and you think they're doing a good job. But on whatever political side you are on, they are just people. So Father, we apply these prayers, Lord Jesus, to all who are leading in this time. We ask a blessing, God, on all the leaders who are carrying great burdens right now, having to make decisions for our nation having to make decisions for their families, having to make decisions for their ministries, their organizations, their businesses. Father, we ask that you would surround them with wise counsel. We ask that you would open their ears and their eyes, Lord God, to see and understand what you are doing right now and what choices they need to make. We ask, Lord God, that you would that they would hear a word behind them saying, this is the way, walk in it and that they would walk in this time circumspectly, that they would walk in this time in a manner worthy of the call on their life and the role that they are leading in, that they would have divine, godly revelation, Lord Jesus, that they would not walk in the way of scoffers, God, but they would would walk as those who have faith and believe you, that they would not give false prophetic leading, but they would have around them wise counselors that would give them prophetic insight and foresight for the times we are living in. And I thank you, Lord, that you surround your leaders. Father, for those leaders who have yet to come to know you, we ask, Lord God, that you would draw them by your Holy Spirit. We ask that they would encounter the living God. Like Paul, Lord God, that the blinders would fall off their eyes, Lord God, and that they would cry out, who are you? And they would be introduced to their Messiah, their Lord, Jesus Christ. That they would give their lives into your hands, Lord God, and they would be renewed in mind and spirit. Lord Jesus, become new creations. That they would begin to lead out of that new place, with new perspectives, Lord God, and fresh wisdom from your throne room. We thank you, Lord God, for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, we pray. I can't wait to talk to you next time and go further into this message. Remember, we're in a series called Facing Ziklag, Turning Crisis into Crowns. God bless you. Until next week. you for joining us for the move forward podcast we would love for you to rate this podcast and share it with a friend you can connect with dr kim on social media 
For those links and more, visit her website, kimmoss.com. Host Dr. Kim Moss leads Kim Moss Ministries and Women of Our Time. She is the author of Prophetic Community, The Way of the Kingdom, Facing Ziklag, and The Four Questions. You can find those books on Amazon. Remember, never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward.